Welcome to the award-winning Thoughts from a Page podcast, a member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network, hosted by me, Cindy Burnett, a voracious reader and book columnist who provides you with casual author conversations and book recommendation episodes, as well as insider information on all of the newest releases that I personally endorse and on the publishing industry in my behind-the-scenes series. With so many books coming out weekly, it can be hard to decide what to read, so I find the best ones and share them with you. For more book recommendations, to find my backlist of interviews, or to check out my summer reading guide for 2023, visit my website at thoughtsfromapage.com. There is also a link to the summer reading guide in the show notes. I am thrilled to announce that I have launched a new Patreon level for those interested in accessing even more unique bonus content. My original level, called Page Turners, still includes my popular Early Reads program, where patrons have access to monthly early digital reads through NetGalley and exclusive pre-publication author chats, as well as monthly bonus episodes and fun surprise content. My new level is entitled Lit Lovers and includes all of the Page Turners benefits, as well as access to my new Traveling Galley program, where patrons have early access to at least three to four new titles a month that are in print galley form and are passed along to other members, a monthly fiction-nonfiction pairing episode, a monthly episode containing bonus, spoiler-filled interviews with three authors, and finally, read-alike requests via email. Lit lovers can send me a book they loved, and I will respond with similar titles. This was such a popular and time-consuming add-on for me that I am moving it off of my main show. My true love is author conversations, and I want to be able to keep that focus on the show. Today, Mary Weber O'Malley and Pamela Klingerhorn join me to talk about their favorite reads from July and August of 2023. Mary is the free-range virtual bookseller at large for Skylark Bookshop, author liaison and scheduling producer for A Mighty Blaze, and she is also a writer, grandmother, and chicken wrangler. She lives outside of Chicago with her husband and a menagerie of pets. Pamela has been a literary event planner since 2012. She enjoys attending and promoting literary events throughout the Twin Cities and beyond and has been nicknamed the local literary fairy godmother. She is currently the event coordinator at Valley Bookseller in Stillwater, Minnesota, and the creator and host of the monthly literary program, Literature Lovers Night Out. I hope you enjoy our conversation. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, We dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Welcome, Pamela and Mary. How are you two today? Great. Thank you. So excited to be back here chatting with you and Mary. 
Oh, podcast days are some of my favorite days. So I'm doing great as well. I'm so glad you're both here because I always get amazing feedback about these episodes because you both really talk about books that are not talked about a lot of other places. There is some overlap, but a lot of times you're highlighting books that are different that people haven't heard about elsewhere. And I just think that's fabulous. So thank you. Thank you. So tell me what's going on in your world, in your bookish world right now. Pamela, do you have any events coming up? Well, we take a little bit of a break in the summertime, but in August, we are coming back with a big one. I've got Lisa Jewell coming in from England to talk about her new novel, and she will be in Hopkins on August 12th. It's a Saturday afternoon program. And then we were going to kick off the fall with Jennifer Weiner and her brand new book, The Breakaway, which is poised, of course, to be a bestseller, as all of Jennifer's are, and Lisa Jewell as well. Um, So two big bestselling authors, August 12th for Lisa Jewell and September 10th for Jennifer Weiner. We're very excited. And then we'll get back to our full four-author panels of Lit Lovers events in October and November. Those are two big names. That's exciting. It is. And I'm so excited that I'm actually going to be visiting Pamela when Lisa Jewell's in. So that's a huge bonus for me. Yes. And Lisa Jewell's going to be in conversation with the very well-known and beloved Minnesota mystery writer, Alan Eskins. And it turns out that Jennifer Weiner is very good friends with one of our Minnesota authors, Curtis Sittenfeld. So they will be in conversation. Extra bonus. Definitely extra bonus. I loved romantic comedy. Curtis Sittenfeld's most recent one. So much fun. Really fun. Well, Mary, what's going on in your bookish world? Oh my gosh. So I just have to share this experience that I had recently. I was at an author event up in Winnetka and somebody came up to me and asked if I was Mary O'Malley, blurb your enthusiasm from Instagram. And I said, yes. And she said she thought she recognized my voice and then she recognized my hair We're on a podcast, so those of you who don't follow me on Instagram don't realize my hair has some purple tint to it, so it's pretty distinctive. But her name is Jessica Birek, and her Instagram is Tonight's Bookish Feast, and she knew me, she found me by way of this podcast. She said, when Pamela and I come onto the podcast, that's her favorite episodes, and because of listening to us, um, she became a Patreon because Cindy, you had talked about how Pamela and I do um, occasionally do special Patreon episodes. So Jessica became part of your Patreon because of our our episodes here, and it was just so lovely to meet somebody. It's one of those special book connections that we get to make in this world. So I, I just had to share that and give Jessica a shout out. It was such a a thrill to meet her. Oh, I love that story. That's great. I love that story as well. And I was so happy when you all shared that in your stories and I saw the connection. That is one of my very favorite things about the book world is making friends with people online and then actually getting to meet them in person. So lovely. I love that. And then you do weekly talks as well, Mary, don't you on Facebook? I do, Cindy. I do a weekly talk on Facebook and Instagram, both live on Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Central, but I do them on the Skylark Bookshop Facebook and Instagram pages. Um, And I talk about books that have come out that week or the week before or are coming out within the week that I read and really enjoyed. So 
you can find me there. Um, you can also find me on my Instagram and Facebook pages at blurb your enthusiasm. It's blurb underscore your underscore enthusiasm. And on my personal pages, much like Pamela, I am reading way far into the future. And so I do post books that I have just finished um, that might not come out until, you know, months and months later. But I like to post my review while it's fresh in my head. Well, I always tell people to follow both of you all for that very reason. I just constantly watch your accounts and make a note of books that look really good to me that are coming out in the future. It's one of my best resources for finding out what's coming out soon. Then my job is done. I'm so happy. Yeah, Mary and I caused chaos on the internet this week by talking about a book that I'm going to mention later on in the podcast here. So we'll get back to that one. But uh, there was great interest. It doesn't come out for a little bit yet, but I know that people will be well rewarded for their patience. Okay, I can't wait to hear. And then Pamela, where can you be found on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter? Okay, several different places. On Facebook, I have my own page, Pamela Klinger Horn. It's a hyphen between Klinger and Horn. I'm probably the only Klinger Horn in the world, so I'm not hard to find. And on Twitter, I'm at PK Horn. And then on Instagram, I'm at Pamela Klinger Horn One. Now, if you want to follow the Literature Lovers Night Out account. It also has a Facebook page, Literature Lovers Night Out. And on Instagram, it's Lit Lovers Night Out. And then all of those are linked to the website as well. So you can always find out what I'm doing, whether it's with Valley Bookseller or Cream and Amber. We've got events going on all over the place, but they're all collated on the Lit Lovers website, or you can go to the stores as well. There's all kinds of places to find out who's coming to town. Okay, good. Because I just want to make sure people could find you because I am often telling them to follow you. But if new people are listening to this one or people that haven't followed you yet, it's helpful to know exactly where you are. Sure. And I don't know if you all have listened to my episode with Danielle Trasoni yet, but we had like a five minute conversation about the two of you all and how wonderful you are. <laughs> well, I have been a long term fan of Danielle, especially her memoir, which is so phenomenal. And her latest, The Puzzle Master, is just great fun. If you've been longing for a book since the Da Vinci Code kept you on your toes with all the puzzles, the puzzle master is the one to go for. Well, you're the one that put that on my radar. And that's the whole reason I ended up reading it and then interviewing her. So I was telling her that. And that's how we kind of went down the road of having a big conversation about the two of you all and your impact in the literary world. Thank you. Lovely. So today you all are here to talk with me about July and August reads, your favorites of those two months. So Pamela, why don't you start with your first title? Okay, I'm going to start in July. This summer is just crammed full of great books. I could hardly cut myself off here. So the first one I'm going to talk about is Do Tell by Lindsay Lynch, who is a fellow bookseller at Parnassus down in Tennessee, um, which is owned by the extraordinary Ann Patchett. But Lindsay is a debut novelist now, as well as a bookseller. And this one takes place in the golden age of Hollywood, when movie studios and gossip columnists could make or break careers. And Do Tell absolutely is a sizzler. It's full of lots of steamy secrets of the stars amongst the pages. And it talks about the players who decide which stories get told and which voices get suppressed. So it's highly relevant to what's going on today in Hollywood with the Me Too movement. 
in this particular book, our main character is Edie O'Dear, and she has a contract with the film studio, but she ends up supplementing her income by becoming a gossip columnist. And this eventually becomes her whole career. And she becomes a huge big deal in Hollywood because of her influence. However, she starts to realize after a few scandals break that sometimes the truth is very painful and sometimes you can really end up hurting people that you love and care about. So it talks about you know, the risks of, of telling the truth, of sensationalizing the truth, and about who gets to tell stories, especially women's stories. So although this takes place in historical setting, it's highly relevant. It's Do Tell coming in July by Lindsay Lynch. So who gets to tell whose story is a very timely topic right now. Yes, indeed. And the story that Lindsay tells is sizzling hot. It's a good one. I love things set in Hollywood as well. Yeah, it makes for a very fun backdrop. It definitely does. So Mary, what's your first title? Okay, so my first title, my first few are all thrillers coming out in July. And I'm going to start with How Can I Help You by Laura Sims coming out on July 18th. Laura Sims is the author of Looker, which was... Gosh, just one of those kind of dark and devious, unsettling novels. And she's taken that up a notch with How Can I Help You? So this book is is as follows. No one knows Margot's real name. Her colleagues and patrons at a small town library know only her middle-aged normalcy, congeniality, and charm. They have no reason to suspect that she is, in fact, a former nurse with a trail of premature deaths in her wake. And she wants to keep it that way. But when Patricia, a failed novelist, joins the staff, she quickly notices Margot's subtly sinister edge. A patron's death in the library bathroom gives Patricia a hint of her colleague's mysterious past. And as the two of them start to tangle up with each other, they bring this book to a gasp-inducing finale. I absolutely love these books that have a way of just making me feel unsettled in my own skin. And How Can I Help You absolutely does that. I'm thrilled that I get to interview the author for Skylark Bookshop on August 3rd. You can find out more information on Skylark's website and registration will be free for that event. But I can't wait to talk to her about this book because it really did. She's got a gift for that. Just kind of e, you know, you're you're you see what's coming and you're so uncomfortable and yet I can't stop turning the pages. This is one of the many novels on today's list that Mary and I had to arm wrestle over who was going to talk about them. This one, I read it on an airplane in one sitting and I agree with Mary, it will just knock your socks off. Okay, I definitely need to add it to my list. I had read some of the summaries and I wasn't totally sure how it unfolded, but the way you're describing it makes me think I definitely need to pick it up. Oh, it will grab you from the first page and you won't put it down. That flight I was on went by so quickly. (laughs) Okay, good. Well, thank you. Then that's great to know. It's on my list. My next book is also a July release. It's called The Housekeepers by Alex Hay. And someone far more clever than I summarized it this way, Ocean's Eleven meets Downton Abbey. And I just love that because it's so 
perfectly captures the mood of this novel. It is set in a huge manor house in Britain, and the kitchen crew is doing a whole lot more than just polishing the silver. Alex Hay has written this really fun heist novel. It's full of all kinds of hijinks and lots of clever craftsmanship. The people upstairs and the people downstairs are both really busy. No one knows what the other is doing. But on the night of London's grandest ball, a group of the kitchen staff, for whom the maids feel they have been done wrong, decide that they are going to take revenge and upset the order of power and gender and class. And Mrs. King, the head housekeeper, is the leader of the group. And she was born into a family of thieves and con artists. And she's quite clever and tricky herself. So she has arranged for the ultimate heist to happen right under their noses while this ball is going on. It's very fun. I could completely see this being a film. And Alex Hay, I had the pleasure of meeting him at a conference this winter. Absolutely delightful. I hope that this is the first of many books that we get to see from him. So this is The Housekeepers coming in July. And it has a great cover. It does indeed. All right, Mary, what's up for you? Okay, my next book is A Likeable Woman by May Cobb out July 11th. May is the author of My Summer Darlings, which is a, a thriller that I just loved. And now we have a likable woman, which is like desperate housewives with an absolutely lethal twist. A woman is back in her affluent hometown for the first time in years, and now she's determined to unravel the secrets of her mother's death, hidden in the unpublished memoir she left behind, even if it kills her. I love the way May writes these Southern women. She has these short, really short chapters, which is such a blessing and a curse for me because I rip through them. However, then I look up and I've lost hours and nothing else has gotten done. It's like a box of milk duds that I, you know, I say, I'm just going to have a few. And before I know it, the whole box is gone. That's how this book went down for me. It's just filled with twists and turns. And every time I was certain I knew who had done what, she throws another twist in there, which just kept me hanging on to the very last page. Yeah, Mary and I are both May Cobb fans. I think we both read all of her entire body of work. It's just so much fun, page churning, great to get for a summer read. And yeah, this is another one. It's a winner. You called it well, Mary. We agree on so many books and um, this one, May Cobb in particular, she's just, oh, she's great. And she's a Texan. So I always love when there's Texan authors. What's up for you, Pamela? My next book is from the always fabulous Irish writer, Liz Nugent, and it is called Strange Sally Diamond. Okay, this is definitely a one sitting read. I promise you are going to barely be able to take a bathroom break while you are reading this book. It has all the nail-biting tension of Room by Emma Donahue, plus it's got the added intrigue of a character who will appeal to fans of Eleanor Oliphant. It's completely fine. So clear your calendar and sit down. And this one comes out in the States on July 18th because this one is a cracker. It is so 
dark and psychologically thrilling. It will capture your imagination. You're going to be trying to figure out what's happened. Sally Diamond just can't understand why everyone is so upset with her. Her father always said, when I die, just put me out with the rubbish. So she did. And people are upset. Can you believe it? Anyway, people from different agencies start looking into exactly what's going on with Sally and her household after that. And it starts bringing up the past that Sally has a very hard time remembering. She's got a little niggling voice in the back now that's helping her as things start to get talked about from other long-term friends and distant family members. And Sally, they never come out and say that she's perhaps on the spectrum or something, but she certainly interprets the world in a unique way. And she's a bit naive and she's starting to learn that people don't always mean what they say. But it's told in alternating perspectives of Sally in present-day Ireland. And then you also get this other narrative voice that comes in from back in the 1980s in New Zealand, a boy named Peter. And it's up to the reader to find out exactly why Peter's story is woven into Sally's and why Sally is strange and what happened to the two of them. Strange Sally Diamond comes in July to the United States. So Pamela, you actually, you, you got one I didn't get. You didn't get that one? I didn't get this one. And now I feel like it's one that I've got to read. I think you have. Did you read her first book, Unraveling Oliver? No. Well, it was a huge title for Simon and & Schuster. And I think this one is going to be just you know, absolutely dynamite on the bestseller list. It's so good. And I think so many different types of readers are going to pick this up, whether you, like I said, were a fan of Eleanor Oliphant type of novels or a thriller, suspense, um, the whole psychology. And, oh, it's just so intriguing, so beautifully done. Yeah. I've added it to my list, Pamela. You've, you have hand-sold me. <laughs> Your work here is done. I have heard great things about this one. I have seen people posting a little bit about it on Instagram. My friend Kelly Hooker has been raving about it. I definitely agree with you, Pamela. I think this book is going to be all over the place. I'm a little bit on the fence if it's too dark for me, but I really want to try it. Oh, no. No, it's not too dark. I mean, I didn't come away from it feeling like, oh, my God, I'm so depressed. No, it's not like that at all. It was just, it's definitely up there in the thriller suspense category you know, a little bit on the darker side because it deals with children, but I wouldn't say that it was the depressing type of dark novel that just leaves you feeling like you've been run over by a bulldozer. So, okay, good. Well, then I'm going to try it because it, I just keep hearing how fast paced and you just are tearing through it trying to figure out what happened. It is Strange Sally Diamond. Okay, good. All right, Mary, what do you got next? All right, my next one, I've got one more thriller here and... This is from another favorite author of mine, Samantha Downing. It is Twisted Love Story coming out July 18th. And Samantha was the best-selling author of My Lovely Wife. She has a talent for writing couples that, gosh, you don't know which, which person in the couple is worse of a human being. Uh, so now she brings us Wes and Ivy, who are madly in love. It's one of those, you know, just deep loves that they've never felt anything like it. It's the kind of romance people write about. 
when it's good, it's just amazing. It's flowers and big gestures and deep, meaningful conversations. But when it's bad, it's vengeful fights with damaged property and arrest warrants, their vicious cycle of catastrophic breakups and head over heel reconnections needs to end because suddenly the two of them have a common enemy, a detective. There's one thing Wes and Ivy never talk about in their good times or their big fights, and that is the night of their worst breakup when one of them took things too far and someone ended up dead. And now this detective wants to find out what happened. Samantha also writes these potato chip type chapters, these short choppy chapters that it's just you go through one more, one more, one more, and now it's two in the morning and you have an early appointment. Samantha just has this dark and devious side tour that I am drawn to. I love her books. I love all of the twists she throws at you. She is unapologetic with taking, you know, just spinning you around and around. It You almost need a Dramamine to read this book. Samantha's another author Mary, I think you and I both read all of her books as well, haven't we? <laughs> yes. And this one, it's, yeah, she writes these really horrible people. And you're just like, oh, I can't wait to find out what happens. I have to keep reading. Well, and Mary, you mentioned the short chapters earlier. And I think that is such a great way to do thrillers because it does keep you just turning the pages and you just keep thinking one more chapter, one more chapter, and then you're done with the book. Well, I'm going to move into August. And this time I have something a little bit different. This is a romantic fantasy. The Hundred Loves of Juliet by Evelyn Skye. This one proves that time and space are no match for true love. Romeo and Juliet, as we all know, met with a tragic fate in the play. But in The Hundred Loves of Juliet, love never dies. Evelyn Skye has crafted this beautiful romance that's going to sweep readers away to all kinds of idyllic locations, throw in some dastardly villains, and of course, lots of toe-tingling amour, and it is a page-turner. In this wonderful story, Helene is escaping a horrible marriage. She takes off to Alaska to try and get away from her awful husband. And there she happens to run into Sebastian Montague. How's that for a great name for a romantic lead? And for some reason, Sebastian looks very familiar to her. He's that handsome local fisherman, and he doesn't seem to want anything to do with her. But as the reader finds out, it's because Sebastian, too, recognizes Helene. And over the course of many hundreds of years, they have connected as many different people. And this is so wonderful, finding out how they are going to change the hand that fate has dealt them and alter their futures so that true love can survive. And it's beautiful, it's romantic, it's charming, it's page-turning. And an extra interesting side note about the author Evelyn Skye when she was a young newlywed, just about 10 months into their marriage, her husband was diagnosed with a terminal disease. And he was fortunate to receive a lung transplant and it saved his life. And so she was inspired to write this novel of what it's like loving someone who could die 
at any moment. And how do you make the most of that when you know your time is short? So knowing that about the author gave me a very different perspective reading this book than I would have had had I not known that about her. So really beautiful. Comes out in August. Again, it's called The Hundred Loves of Juliet by Evelyn Skye. And here's another one that Pamela read that I didn't. That doesn't happen often, but no. Pamela, you're adding to my list now. You always add to mine, so turnabout's fair play here. (laughs) (laughs) These kind of stories always stress me out a tiny bit because I'm like, how is it going to end? Like, I hope it's going to end in a way that I'm happy with, but it sounds like it ends well. It does. It has a very satisfying ending. Okay, good. I'm so glad to hear that because it's really interesting and I love how it moves around in time and I love their stories and how they meet up and everything that's happening. So I was very happy it was on your list. Well, I know that Pamela is a huge fan of my next book because her blurb is in the cover of my galley. So I know she loved it as much as I did. My next title is The Sunset Crowd by Karen Tanabe. It's coming out July 4th. And this is the highs and lows of fame, fortune, and love. It's a fever dream set in 1970s Hollywood. So we're going back to Hollywood. You have L.A. darling Evra Scott, who's the daughter of an Oscar-winning director and a Brazilian bombshell actress. She's the reigning style queen. Um, She's at the helm of Sunset on Sunset, the store beloved by Hollywood's young and beautiful And at night, she's got the, you know, the handsome, beautiful man on her arm. And then you have Theodore Lee, the 20-something Paramount assistant, looks like a big screen star, but her sights are set on becoming a movie producer. She's got the talent and instincts, but she's not willing to wait. And then you have a Manhattan blue blood turned West Coast bohemian and photographer for Rolling Stone, B. DuPont. B never misses the party, yet always keeps to its fringes. This book was so cinematic. I, as I was reading it, um, and this doesn't happen often to me where I'm having literal visions of what these places look like, what these people look like. You can, you're just so immersed in 70s Hollywood in all of its glory and the parties and the music and the clothes. This is begging to be if it hasn't already been optioned for the big screen. I just pictured it all the way through. Even the cover is cinematic. It is. It's just gorgeous. That's a great word for it, Mary. Good adjective. Good. Well, what's up for you, Pamela? Okay, I am going to tell you about a family drama next. Tracy Lang was the author of the wonderful novel, We Are the Brennans. She's returning with another story about an Irish family in the United States, the Connollys of County Down. And as with all good family dramas, the Connollys have lots of family secrets The sister, Tara, has just been released from prison after serving time for a drug charge. She knows it's going to be hard to come back and rebuild her life. Family does not have a lot of money. She has to return home to live with her siblings, and her brother is a single dad. 
he's had a brain injury and her sister has been kind of holding the family together while she's been gone. But this facade that her sister has of calm is actually holding together just barely a lot of things that are going on under the surface. And to add all kinds of extra complications to that, the officer who put her in prison keeps coming around the house and checking in with Tara. As readers get to know Tara, you're going to start to wonder, why is this woman in jail on drug charges? She just is not the kind of person that should have been involved in something like that. And she's trying to come back. And as we see her work harder and harder to get a foothold on normalcy with a job and get her family put back together and try and correct things that have happened while she was away in prison, we start to find out more and more about how she got into prison and exactly who her brother and sister are and what secrets they're holding. So this is a gorgeous family novel. I was just so emotionally involved with all of the Connollys and the officer. And it's one of those family dramas where you get involved with them just like they're your own relatives. And then you have a hard time leaving them at the very end. So I really hope people will pick up the Connollys of County Down by Tracy Lang and meet this family and find out what their secrets are because they really are awe-inspiring. I can't agree more with that, Pamela. And what you, when you talk about your emotional investment with these characters, I felt exactly the same way. I I felt almost drained when I finished it because I, I invested so much of myself into these characters, which is really a, a gift for Tracy to be able to do that. It feels like they live in the house with you. I loved this one as well. I just thought it was so well done. And I'm I'm revealing all of my stressful reading habits. But when I have a book like We Are the Brennans, which I just loved, sometimes I'm a little nervous to start the next one because I'm like, oh, I hope I'm going to like it as much. And I liked it every bit as much, if not more. I just thought it was so well done. I agree. Very, very well done. Mm-hmm. All right. So my next one, I've got one more July title. This is, and I'm seeing this everywhere on social media. I know I'm not the only one who's fallen in love with this book. It is Little Monsters by Adrian Brodeur. I think I'm saying that right. Coming out July 11th. And this is a gorgeous, gorgeous uh, novel. It's a family saga set on Cape Cod during the summer of 2016. It's a brother and sister whose mother died when they were small and they have taken vastly, they were raised by their, their bipolar father, but they, their lives have taken vastly different paths. Their father, like I said, is bipolar. And as, as he's, you know, reaching a certain age, he is just hell bent on making one final, uh, huge scientific discovery. And he believes that in order for him to do that, he needs to go off his medications. So unbeknownst to his children, he stops taking these medications um, in order to open up his mind to be able to make this huge discovery, which he is certain will have a world-changing scientific ramifications. And then you've got a newcomer to the area whose motives and connections are unknown to the family this book cover actually says, you know, it's, it takes some biblical cues from Cain and Abel, 
the writing this book along with the Connollys, I felt the same emotional attachment, not to all of these characters, but to some of them. And it was stressful reading for me the tension that Adrian builds. I I just I wanted to know that things were going to work out well for everybody. And oh my gosh, I I absolutely love this novel. I lost myself in the pages. I agree with you, Mary. This one's a stunner. This family. Oh, so many times I found myself talking to characters saying, oh my God, don't do that. (laughs) It's just so, oh, tense is exactly the word for it. It is incredibly dramatic, riveting fiction. I keep seeing people posting about it on Instagram. So I think you're right that it's going to be all over the place, Mary. Yes, rightly so. Just one thing, though, it came out yesterday. Oh, gosh. Thank you for that update. Okay. Well, we'll throw one June title in there. That's perfect. My next book is a work of historical fiction called A Bakery in Paris by Amy K. Runyon. And this one is not about World War II. There's a switch up, isn't it? This one takes place in both 1870 and after World War II in 1946. And this is the dark days of war when the Prussians were at the city gates trying to starve Paris into submission in 1870. There's a young woman who has been ignored by her wealthy parents, and she's waiting for the outcome of the war. They want to marry her off, of course. However, she is not as passive as they had hoped. And she meets a young man and baked goods proceed. And in 1946, we are looking at another young woman named Micheline Chartier. And she's coping with the loss of her father and the disappearance of her mother during World War II and the raising of her two younger sisters. And so with the help of a friendly and well-meaning neighbor, she gets involved in taking a course at a baking academy. And she also becomes involved in the world of baked goods. And as these women have to learn to grapple with loss and looking for love, and they face a lot of very difficult choices, as people do during war times, but a little bit of flour, sugar, some yeast and butter helps sweeten some of the sadness. And it's just a beautiful story. It's well-written. I enjoyed it. I liked the images of baking. I'm a baker myself. And so um, I like the characters. I like the setting. And of course, you're in Paris. So it's lovely background. And A Bakery in Paris comes out in August by Amy K. Runyon. And I promise that it's a very satisfying and delicious treat. This book was written for you, Pamela. It was. (laughs) (laughs) I am not familiar with it, but I love Paris. So I'm always checking out books that are set in Paris. Well, I think the author sent it to me because we follow each other on social media. And she saw I'm always posting things about books and about baked goods. And she's like, I've got a book for you. And she was quite right. (laughs) Well, I am moving into my August titles now. And I am starting with a, um, I'm going to start and end these August titles with memoirs that knocked me sideways. And this first one is called The Many Lives of Mama Love by Laura Love Harden. It comes out August 8th. 
New York Times bestselling author, Laura Love Harden, recounts her slide from soccer mom to opioid addict to jailhouse shot caller and her unlikely comeback as a highly successful ghostwriter. This book reads like a thriller, like, you know, gone girl type thrills and, uh, you know, the, the best fiction. And yet it's a memoir. No one expects the police to knock on the million-dollar two-story home of the perfect cul-de-sac housewife, but Laura Love Harden has been hiding a shady secret. She's funding her heroin addiction by stealing her neighbor's credit cards. She's convicted of 32 felonies, becomes an inmate, goes through the jail class, you know, finds that jail is a, a class system with a power structure that's somewhere between a teen sleepover party and Lord of the Flies but she quickly acclimates. She does her time. And when she's released, she reinvents herself as a ghostwriter. As I was reading this book and then reading about how she became a ghostwriter and who she became a ghostwriter for, my worlds collided (laughs) in several ways. And it's, it's too much to even go into here. But a book that I read some years ago that I absolutely adored was the Book of Joy, and it was a conversation between the Dalai Lama and the Archbishop Desmond Tutu, and it was authored by Doug Abrams. Well, Laura Love Harden became a ghostwriter for Doug Abrams and his publishing company. My literary world collided, and this memoir is just such an amazing story of redemption, Boy, it sure gives you a a dark and dirty look into the prison system and, you know, how people are convicted and what they're convicted of. You get that behind the scenes jail prison look. And then the story of how she, you know, has to redevelop the confidence that even when Doug hires her, uh, somehow she skates around having to do a background check and proves herself. You know, there's there's just this this layout to how things happen in her world. So she's able to prove herself as a very trusted and uh, valuable employee. And then it comes out that she's a convict and she goes on to do these great things. And now she's founded her own publishing company. So it's just an incredible, incredible story of how far down she went, how she was able to heal herself, recover from her addiction, and go on to do these great things. And I really hope that memoir readers will pick this one up because it is just an incredible, incredible read. And it is The Many Lives of Mama Loved by Laura Love Harden. Okay, that sounds really good. I'm definitely adding it to my list. Oh, that sounds fantastic. I don't believe I received a copy of that one. I think I saw this somewhere on some list and it just, the storyline resonated with me and I requested a copy from the publisher and I'm so glad I did. Sounds like a good one. Wow, that sounds very powerful. Definitely. All right. I am also still in August and I'm going to take a walk on the lighter side here. Well, not lighter literary quality, but lighter in terms of humor. 
Um, the English experience is coming from Julie Schumacher. Julie Schumacher teaches creative writing here at the University of Minnesota. And she is world famous as having been the very first woman, woman to win the Thurber Prize for Humor. Her first novel about Jason Fitker, it was the winner of the Thurber Prize. And she is back now in this third installment. And it's called The English Experience. This time, the curmudgeon Jason Fitker, who's the professor, he is back in his professorial role, but he has to take a group of students on a trip abroad. And there's probably no one less well-suited to take a group of students on a trip abroad than Jason Ficker, which, of course, sets up the novel for great hilarity. He has a group of 11 kids. One student erroneously believes that he's going to the Caribbean to study. One has a juvenile detention record, and one poor girl has never been away from her cat before, and she's highly traumatized. <laughs> and so all kinds of hijinks ensue while they're over there, and Jason has his own crisis. And I don't know, I think the highlight at the very end was reading these students' essays about their experience abroad. And I would definitely give an A-plus to the student who wrote a zombie apocalypse essay set in, of all places, Westminster Abbey. Julie Schumacher is back at her absolute finest. So, so much fun. So whether you have read uh, the first one, Dear Committee Members, the second one, The Shakespeare Requirement, and now the third, The English Experience, you can read them as standalone novels. But of course, they're ever so much richer if you have experienced all three of them. And the English experience is an absolute treat. So make sure you put that on your list because Julie Schumacher is an author you do not want to miss. And I have not read this one yet, but I'm such a fan of Julie. So I, I need to grab a copy. And You do. And it's nice and short and, you know, maybe 250 or so pages and just so much fun. Love it. I'm glad you mentioned that you can read it as a standalone because I was going to ask you that, whether you had to read the first two or whether you could just pick this one up and it would make sense. No, it absolutely makes sense. Each of them works as a standalone. But like I said, you just know the whole background if you've read the trilogy. Perfect. All right. Well, my next one, um, strangely, if you had asked me if two of my books in any book talk might have some kind of biblical connection. I would have said, not a chance. And yet, here we go. My next title is Whale Fall by Daniel Krause. It comes out August 8th. And this is The Martian Meets 127 Hours in this absolutely gripping, hold your breath as you're reading it, thriller about a scuba diver who's been swallowed by an 80-foot, 60-ton sperm whale and has only one hour to escape before his oxygen runs out. And when I first saw this come across, I thought, okay, you know, I, all right. They're going to be taking a lot of liberties here. Obviously, this can't happen. Although I had just a couple of weeks prior to seeing this book, been watching a documentary on whales and wondering, you know, is it possible for like a scuba diver to be swimming and one of these huge beasts just, you know, inadvertently swallow him. And what would happen? Well, Daniel Krauss absolutely did all of his research to make you feel 
Like you are inside this whale with his protagonist. The the subplot in here is that the main character's father has recently died and they had a very strained relationship. And now as he's stuck in this whale, these all of these lessons his father tried to impart are are coming into play. So, you know, obviously he's he's doing a lot of soul searching as he's trying to escape this whale. This book had me from the very first sentences and kept me riveted until the final pages. It's heart pounding and just incredible. And it's one of those books that every time I I walk past it and see it on my shelf, I'm brought right back into the pages. What a concept. Wow. That's what I was just going to say. What an interesting premise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whale fall. Okay. My next novel is from another Minnesota author, Joshua Moling. It's Where the Dead Sleep. He wrote an earlier novel called And There He Kept Her. These are both from source books. And this one picks up with Sheriff Packard again, small town sheriff in a sleepy little area of Minnesota that has some thrills and chills going on. This one takes us deeper into Sheriff Packard's psyche with all kinds of nerve-jingling murder mystery aspects to it and ends on a huge cliffhanger. It's one of the few times I've actually texted the author at the end of reading it. And I'm like, Josh, do you have the third one yet? You know, I, I'll drive over and pick it up. <laughs> I was dying for the next installment. He tells me maybe next year, but I'm going to have to be patient. I'm not good at being patient. But I loved the sheriff when I met him in And There He Kept Her. You can read them as a standalone, pick them up, no problem. But again, if you meet Sheriff Packard in the first novel and you know about his history and how he wound up from the Twin Cities in small town Minnesota, where he's originally from, you will have a much richer reading experience. In this one, he's trying to crack a really tricky murder about a man who was very much hated by many, many people and who could possibly have killed him. And this, it's fascinating. I just tore through these pages. It was fun, summertime mystery, perfect for throwing your beach bag, perfect for a gift, perfect for all the men in your life who think that, oh, I don't really like reading, but they do. They just need to write book. And it was a nice look at small town America. It's dark, it's got some humor to it, but it's not you know, quirky, like in Fargo or something like this. But I think that this series that Josh Moling is creating is really going to take off with mystery fans. Um, I'm not sure how many books are in the series that he's planning. And there he kept her was the first one where the dead sleep is number two. And I know definitely there's at least a third in the works. But get your hands on, and there he kept her, which is on the shelf stores right now. And then you'll be ready for August when Where the Dead Sleep comes out by Joshua Moling. And I've got that on my stack. I just haven't gotten to it yet, but now you have me very excited to do so. You'll tear through it in no time. I know you, Mary. (laughs) That sounds like it's right up my alley. I love mysteries and a series. And so it's nice if you only can get in on book two, go back, catch one, read two, and then you're ready to go for the next ones. Right. And they're not so overly long that it's a burden to go back and read the backlist. 
you'll you'll be so happy that you have number two coming soon because you won't want to wait to find out what happens. Okay, good. Awesome. All right. My next title is Tell Me What I Am by Una Mannion. This comes out August 15th. And this is about two women who are wrenched apart by a family member's disappearance who must find a way back to each other. It's a haunting page turner from the author of A Crooked Tree. Uh, This is about Nessa Garvey's sister, Dina, who vanished without a trace in 2004. In all that time, Nessa has never doubted that her sister's ex-husband killed her and got away with murder. Her niece, Ruby, is being raised by her father, the man Nessa suspects killed his wife. Ruby is being raised out in the wilderness. She learns how to hunt, how plants and trees grow, how to avoid making her father angry. But what she doesn't know is what really happened to her mother all those years ago. Over 14 years and all these hundreds of miles apart, these two women separately start to unearth family history, family history of power and control. And the the question becomes, can they find each other in time? And I loved the writing in this book. This is, again, another book that the characters, I just felt so invested in them that I was feeling the same emotions that they were. And it's it's suspenseful, it's family drama, but all just done with gorgeous, gorgeous writing. I loved it. It's Tell Me What I Am by Una Mannion coming out August 15th. Well, that's another one I'll need to add to my list. Me too. I was not familiar with that one, but it sounds really good. Very good. Well, I'm on a roll with fiction. And this time around, this is a book that you do need to read the previous two. This one's called Mrs. Porter Calling by A.J. Pierce, a British author. And this is number three in the Emmy Lake Chronicles. The first one was called Dear Mrs. Bird. And it introduced us to the charming and spunky character of Emmy. And she was a young woman working at a magazine. And there's a self-help agony aunt type column like a Dear Abby in this magazine. And Emmy starts kind of helping write this column unbeknownst to the real Mrs. Bird, who is the name of the columnist. She was very happy answering letters about how to get a stain out of your tablecloth, but she tended to toss the letters into the rubbish bin that dealt with anything more serious, like someone who actually wanted advice to the lovelorn or had a question about some, you know, women's medical issue that she couldn't ask anyone about, people who really needed help. And she was not publishing those letters. And so Emmy took things in hand and took over this. And she started answering these women with really truthful answers and giving them great information that they really needed. All this is set against the backdrop of World War II. So, of course, there is a lot of sadness and loss going on at this time. And while Emmy is no Pollyanna, she certainly is spunky and cheerful. And she and her friends are wonderful characters. This was picked up as a Richard and Judy book club pick. That's a big book club in in Britain, kind of the way here we would have Jenna Reads or an Oprah pick. And it's just such a treasured story. And to now have 
the third part of the trilogy on hand is wonderful. So right now, you can pick up Dear Mrs. Bird, which introduces us to the young Emmy. And then this next one is called Yours Cheerfully. And then the third installment, Mrs. Porter Calling, will come in August. So you can have the whole set. And it makes a wonderful gift if you're looking for something to give a book lover. Just charming. If you're looking for something that doesn't have a lot of bad language or violence or or overt sex scenes, just a really charming, good story that's going to have wide appeal and enough significance for a good book club discussion, then you can't go wrong with A.J. Pierce. And as I said, this is Mrs. Porter Calling, which is the third installment coming in August. I love the whole gift idea of, of giving all three books as a, that what a great, wonderful gift idea for the reader in your life. Yeah. And there is actually a TV adaptation in the works of this. I have no idea when it's coming, but that's the word on the street. Wonderful. Well, with the writer's strike, I'm sure it's going to be a little bit longer. It seems like everything's now hiccuped with all of that. But I loved Dear Mrs. Bird. I haven't read yours cheerfully, but somebody was just recently telling me how good Mrs. Porter Calling is. So I need to go back and pick up yours cheerfully before it comes out. Yes. And again, they're all very manageable sizes. So you can read all three of them without making it your year's investment in reading. <laughs> exactly. And I like, I'm, I agree with Mary. That's such a great idea on the gift. Absolutely. Well, I have one last fiction title. And this is a debut novel that, holy moly, doesn't read anything like a debut. It's so good. It is Under the Tamarind Tree by Niger Alum coming out August 15th. This is one of those books that, you know, I frequently talk on on this podcast and certainly on my weekly book talks about the importance of reading outside my own experience. Uh, You know, my experience as a white Midwestern middle class woman is such a small sliver of the world experience. And this book really, wow, I just got such an education out of it. So this is 1964 Karachi, Pakistan, and the character Rosina is running out of time. She will lose her home, her parents' safe haven since fleeing India and the terrors of partition if her medical career doesn't take off soon. Meanwhile, the interwoven wives of her childhood best friends, Harris, Alia, and Zohair seem to be unraveling with each day. Then you go to 2019, Rosina receives a call from a voice she'd never thought she'd hear again. What begins as a request to look after her friend's teenage granddaughter grows into an unconventional friendship, one that unearths buried secrets and just might ruin everything Rosina has worked so hard to protect. I I will read somebody else's review, which is how Alam deftly explores lives ruptured and reshaped by partition, how historical and personal traumas shape us for generations. Uh, That was by Marjan Kamali. And this is just an incredible, beautifully written novel about friendships, secrets, moving past those, um, how we can reconcile ourselves with past trauma and where we are today. And I really enjoyed every page of this book. It's an incredible novel. And um, Nigar is a Minnesota author here. So I hope you'll get to meet her when you're in town this summer, Mary. She had been telling me about this book before 
the galleys were even ready. And so I was very excited to read it. And oh, the moment I turned the last page, I just had to text her and tell her that she just knocked it out. It, it's incredible. What a gorgeous story. I loved the writing. I loved the characters. I loved the plot. I was completely swept away. And it is a book that I think book clubs will really embrace. There's so much to talk about. Of course, it'll lead you down lots of rabbit holes if you're not familiar with partition. And it's just outstanding. Absolutely agree. And now I love her even more knowing she's from Minnesota. I have this one on NetGalley, so it sounds like I need to move it up my list. Bump it up. Bump it up quickly. I will. (laughs) Well, my next novel is the one that Mary and I were giving you a teaser about earlier that we sort of set the internet on fire this week. It's Happiness Falls by Angie Kim. This is a novel that is so incredibly brilliant in concept and in execution. Angie Kim is the author of Miracle Creek, which came out a few years ago. And that was a masterful work of fiction. And this one is even a few steps above it. It's just spectacular. It's going to be a goldmine for book clubs. Oh, my hat is just off to her. The amount of research and medical knowledge she must have had to do to create this story is incredible. Starts out with family. There's two um, college-age twins, boy and a girl, and a younger son who is on the spectrum and is not verbal. And he's out with his father, but he comes home by himself, and he's never unattended. And the family doesn't call the police right away because things happen, and they're not, you know, sure that the dad's missing. This kind of thing, and. Mia, one of the twins, narrates this novel, and she's very analytical, but she's also only 20 years old, so she's also quite irreverent at times, and it's just amazing. Um, You know, the police get involved, and then, of course, social services get involved, and the clock's ticking on the father having disappeared, and you just learn so much about the investigative process about having a child who is on the spectrum and about this unusual syndrome called angel man syndrome. And again, Angie Kim does a brilliant job of bringing this character to life so vividly that you feel like you know this young man. He's 14. The other thing that I love that she did in this one is she leaves you questioning at the ending. You know, what exactly is the re- resolution? It's a very satisfying ending, but it's not fully described. And I would not be surprised to see this be a big award winner. It's original. It's a remarkable story. And she executed it so well. And I was raving about it on Facebook. And so I know Mary grabbed a copy right away. And Mary, what are your thoughts? I'm sitting here literally like bouncing in my chair waiting to talk about this. Yes, Pamela posted, bookseller friends, drop what you're doing and and pick up this galley. And I looked at all my shelves. I went, huh, I don't have that galley. Um, I got that galley within a couple of days and I literally dropped what I was doing to open it. This is one of the smartest books I've ever read. And I don't mean that like, oh, you have to, you know, have a certain level of intelligence to read it. You know, some novels, I feel like they're they're talking over my head. This one 
what she had to weave into the story, like you said, Pamela, from a medical standpoint, from an investigational standpoint in dealing with special needs kids, and everything she did here rocked my world. It is, it, it moved into, you know, my, one of my top books I think I've ever read. There aren't many books that I can say, oh, I wish I could go back and read that again for the first time. This is one of those books. It is amazing, incredible, and everyone who hears this podcast, absolutely, you need to pre-order it. You get, I, I think, a little um, assigned print if you pre-order. Pre-order this book. Do your future self a favor. Give your future self the best gift ever. It's amazing. It is. It's astounding. I read it. What is it, Mary? About 400 pages? Yeah. And I read it in 24 hours, gave it to my mom. She gave it back to me, I don't know, next day or two. And yeah, it's it's sensational. I couldn't put it down. I, I could not put it down. Okay. That's great to hear. We talked about Danielle Trasoni earlier and she was raving about it when she came on. They're in the same writing group and she said, you have to get a hold of this book. It is so good. So I'm glad to hear that you all think the same. Yes. Get a copy right away. I must. Absolutely. Absolutely. So my final title is a memoir. And this one also blew me away. This is, uh, it is called Everything, Nothing, Someone by Alice Carrier. That's C-A-R-R-I-E-R-E. And this just shows you that truth is stranger than fiction. This is a debut memoir. Alice tells tells the story of her unconventional upbringing in Greenwich Village as the daughter of a remote mother, the renowned artist Jennifer Bartlett, who I guess was, you know, just huge. I, I don't follow the art world, but this woman was at the very top of it. And a charismatic father, European actor Matthew Carrier. From an early age, Alice is forced to navigate her mother's recovered memories of ritualized sexual abuse, which she turns into art, and her father's confusing attentions. Her days are a mixture of privilege, neglect, loneliness, and danger, a child living in an adult's world with little to no enforcement of boundaries or supervision. When Alice enters adolescence, she begins to lose just all grips on herself. Uh, she develops a disassociative disorder, which uh, erases her identity. Overzealous doctors medicate her so unprofessionally and horrifically. She develops, she just inhabits these various roles. She becomes a, a live-in psychiatric patient who can come and go as she pleases. So she's a, you know, a patient when she's there, but then she, she leaves and goes into uh, the downtown music scene and she's in clubs and having these inappropriate relationships with much older men, some of whom her father has kind of set her up with. Uh, she develops multiple drug addictions. And gosh, you know, I I was so tense reading this. I truly could not imagine her finding her way out of this. And yet somehow through a love affair with a recovering addict, who's the first person that she finds herself kind of centered around, 
she finally is able to confront her father and make him hear her in how his behavior affected her growing up. And then, then she becomes her mother's caretaker when her mother develops Alzheimer's disease. So she does find her way out and through these circumstances, which, you know, on multiple levels should have killed her and somehow finds her way through and out the other side. I finished reading this book and I wrote, this is Spiegel and Grau, and I (laughs) wrote to the publicist and I said, I just, please, if Alice is ever coming anywhere near Chicago, I need to hug her and ask her if she's still okay. I I want to reach out to her. I want to I I want to follow her forever and know that she's taking care of herself after this entire childhood of being mismanaged at every level. It's you know like child stars and children of famous movie stars all these different ways that children are mismanaged and done wrong and all of those ways were done to Alice. So this this memoir really, really knocked me sideways. I loved it. Absolutely. It's coming August 29th. It is Everything, Nothing, Someone by Alice Carrier. Wow, I missed the boat on all these memoirs this summer. They all sound fabulous, Mary. This is another one that I saw somewhere else. I don't even remember where, but I reached out to Spiegel and Growl and they're like, what, you don't have it? And I said, no. I don't. So they they quickly got a copy to me, and I'm so glad they did. Great. Sounds incredibly intense. Very intense. It is not a, oh, I'm going to relax on the beach. You know, I, I had to set it down a couple of times and get up and walk around a little bit just because I, I was experiencing such in, intense feelings for Alice as a child. The sign of a good memoir. Yes. Well, my last novel is Fiction. This is another Alice. This is Alice Feeney. Good, bad girl. Many of you will probably recognize her name from her past thrillers, Rock, Paper, Scissors, or more recently, Daisy Darker. Again, I was a big fan of that one. This one has so many twists and turns and surprises that it will keep you going wild trying to figure out which narrator you should trust. And as with all good thrillers, trust no one. This one kicks off with a baby stolen from a stroller 20 years ago, right in front of people in a grocery store. And now in the present, someone at a nursing home is killed. And four women are all ensnared in this complicated and interconnected web. Uh, We've got Edith, who says she was tricked into selling her home and moving into a nursing home, but she's 80. Patience is a nurse aide that works there, and she and Edith have formed a bond, but Patience is also a liar. And Edith's own daughter, Cleo, she doesn't really want to speak to her, and they don't like each other, but something's going on there. And then you've got another narrative voice who you're not quite sure who that is. But with every reason to distrust each other, these women have to figure it out together to get the answer. And if they want to know what happened to this baby all those years ago, who lost her and where she might be, you need to pick up a copy of Good Bad Girl 
And I won't say if anybody's all good or all bad, or they're a little bit of both. But if you like a twisting and turning suspense story, Alice Feeney Jagal, and she succeeds with Good Bad Girl coming in August. A great end to your summer reading. I love Alice Feeney. She's so good with those twists and turns. So I'll have to move this one up as well. <laughs> I thought this one was fabulous. And I'm so excited because my literary salon is hosting her in early September because she's coming to the U.S. from the U.K. And I cannot wait. How exciting. Lucky you. I know. I'm thrilled. I cannot wait to host her. So that's exciting. And I definitely think it's a page turner. I agree with you there. Uh, we're not going to talk about September today, but I'm just going to give you all a little teaser because September 5th, beloved Minnesota author William Kent Kruger is bringing out a standalone novel called The River We Remember. And this is another one you're going to want to pre-order because your library is going to have a 1,000 person waiting list and you will want to read it the day it's published, which is September 5th. So The River We Remember from William Kent Kruger is going to kick off your September reading. So pre-order today. And I loved it as well. I thought it was so good. I've already scheduled an interview with him, and I cannot wait to dive into all the details about the book with him. He's a fabulous author to interview, such a charming and generous man and a beautiful writer. Absolutely. Well, thank you both so much. As always, my list has just completely exploded, and I'm going to have to shift everything around to push some of these up. But I really appreciate your time and all of your great recommendations. Well, thank you for the invitation. As always, it was so much fun to talk with you both about our favorite thing, books. Thank you so much for having us on again, Cindy. This is a, a highlight for me to anytime I can spend time with you and especially Pamela, my literary twin sister, is a good day. I agree completely. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes. And luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Califato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately 7 minutes. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I would love to connect with you on Instagram or Facebook, where you can find me at Thoughts From a Page. If you enjoy the show, please consider joining my Patreon group to access bonus content and support the podcast. If you have a moment to rate the show or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts, I would really appreciate it. It makes a big difference. And please tell all of your friends about Thoughts From a Page. Word of mouth does wonders to help the show grow. I hope you'll tune in next time. Hi there, I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one -on -one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, 
parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardknowpodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no.